Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things. What's up, Jeff? Not much. This is a this is an early week fart. I mean, it's a coffee fart. It's an early morning. It is. We had a Friday fart last week. We've got a Tuesday fart this week. We intended to do a Monday fart. I had too much going on after media day yesterday. Uh, so here we are now uh, knocking it out. Uh, we're going to, it's not going to be a blow smoke up your ass episode of fart, which is the opposite of a fart, I guess, <laughs> but this is uh, a blow smoke out your ass fart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is uh, out your ass fart. Um, we're going to talk about some things that we still think that this program could, uh, need to work on, uh, some growth that still needs to be made for this team going into the 2021 season. Obviously everybody's on the hype train. The hype train is just continuing to roll on, especially after media day yesterday. And deservedly so. And Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell's now driving the hype train, hype train by saying that he's got 11 offensive linemen who could start for this team. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to when Tom Manning comes in and tells us that Brees Hall looks like the best college running back since Reggie Bush uh, and Brock Purdy looks like uh, Tim Tebow out there. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I, I think the reason why, I don't know this, that once we're actually, again, we're going to leave the realignment stuff now to Chris and Brent. Like those are, they're actually more into it. They've got better thoughts and ideas on stuff. And we're if anything drastic comes up, we're just, we can, we, we can talk about, it. but we're, yeah, we're talking about football. And I think that's, hopefully some, I don't want to say normalcy, but a little normalcy that people want. And I think the, there is a, there's a way to look at it now it, by being not necessarily pointing out the negatives. And I, and not, I don't mean to say this is like, this is the bad parts of the team, but if you think that you cannot ever improve, you are going to get worse. There's no way or no two bones about it. If you think everything is good, uh, you're going to get worse. And now at the same time, uh, too high of expectations and there the hype train is deserved. Like, and we have been dry. We've been on the hype train. Like, you know how much we both are, are feel like the expectations of this team are, are deserved. But at the same time, if you think if, if, if we never bring up the fact that there are things that this team needs to work on or can work on or can get better on, or are just generally not perfect when you play against Northern Iowa. Let's say the first quarter and a half goes a little bit rough because everybody's starting again. Uh, and all of a sudden you and I at the time is up 13 to 10. And if our expectations are that this team is perfect, then at that point, a lot of fans can go hair on fire and go, what is happening? The team is terrible. All that kind of like chicken little, the sky is falling, all that kind of stuff. Understanding that they're not, per they are not perfect. And then let's say they turn around and they end up winning that game 27 to 18 or we're six to 19, whatever, you know, come up with some random number and they win it. It's comfortable, but not perfect. Okay. I think that is the more appropriate lens to view a team through is really good, but not perfect. And so what I wanted to bring up is the things to remind people that they are not perfect, but are working towards being better. And so this team is still very good, but in the areas where no one's perfect, no one's, I mean, there's interceptions and fumbles and drop passes and missed tackles happen all the time. And so here, like the things that I wanted to at least get on this is as they're going into camp to kind of at least put some humanity back in this team, back in people's perception of the team rather, because they know this, they know that, I mean, that's why they're practicing is to get better. 
So I think that's the thing that I wanted to get out of this one is just making sure that we still like, I don't want to tap, not to say tap the brakes in the sense of like, slow down. You're wanting this team to be good, but slow down and wanting this team to be perfect because that's not possible. So that's the, that's the point of today is, is reminding people that it, they are not perfect and there are ways to improve. One of my favorite things I heard yesterday at media day. Uh, so Charlie Kohler goes between being an absolutely fantastic interview and one of the worst interviews because he just decides he doesn't want to say anything on that given day. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, Charlie had a lot to say, which is always nice. Uh, and he talked about how, you know, talking about improving and, and things like that. And he said, you know, the better that he gets at football, the more things he finds that he can get better at in football mm -hmm. where, you know, it's, uh, when you're young, I, when you're young as a college football player, like you're just trying to learn the ropes, you know, yeah. you're trying to learn what you have to do, like the bare minimum things that it's like, I've got to be able to, you know, run this route. Well, I've got to be able to make this block. Well, so on down the line, make this read. Uh, but as you master those things, like you start to build on them and build on them and build on them until eventually like you get to where, okay, these are like the masterclass things. These are the things that I have to get good at, you know, mm -hmm. like for Charlie's perspective, it's like the things that Travis Kelsey does. Those are the kinds of things that tra that Charlie needs to start learning how to do. Yeah. Well, and I was actually book them read right now is, is all about kind of defining success and how you, how relative you should think about it, whether it's, you know, if you want to be the best in the world, you're gonna have to give up a lot. And do you want to give up seeing your kids? to be the best in the world, like that kind of thing. So one of the things they were talking about is in, in trying to achieve mastery, one of the things that people have found, take it for truth or not, it's in a book, don't know if it's true or not, is uh, as you're a novice, you seek out positive reinforcement to say, I'm doing this right. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. Am I on the right track? And you seek out positive reinforcement to go, good job. Okay, got it. And then you're moving in that direction. And then you get to the point where you know that you're in the right direction and you start actively seeking out negative feedback to say, what am I doing wrong? I know that I'm going in the right direction. Don't tell me I'm great. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. And so I would imagine, I would, I, I safely can say Charlie has achieved mastery of the tight end position. That doesn't mean that you're perfect. Again, like there's things that he's probably working on steps, blocking, being more hand down, attached tight end, trying to get more better position and better releases. And those are all kinds of things that he can continue to work on. Uh, but yeah, seeking out that negative feedback. So that's where we're here to provide is they've achieved mastery or a high level. Now we're just trying to point out things that they can improve upon. And as you, as fans, dear listener, making sure that you guys are looking at it through a sober lens, not a drunk versus sober, sober versus, uh, not an overinflated to say, these are still 18 to 22 year old kids. They're still trying their best and they're not hundred percent perfect. So that kind of let's, let's make it real. With team with this team, I feel like, do you think there's a point where we could be bordering on just like nitpicking things? I think so. But I, I think there's also, yeah, there's okay. It depends on how you define nitpicking. They are, there are no large structural def deficiencies in this team. Yeah. Like there's no termites in the foundation or termites in the, in the walls and, and, you know, rot in the foundation. There's not that there are things though, that can still be improved. So it depends on what your definition of nitpicking is. Are we, are we saying that uh, to me, it's like, you know what? I think the gloves should be red instead of white. Like that's nitpicking, but saying like the, the first thing I wanted to get into is just, and we forget from years past because they ended up winning most of those games is the downfield passing game for Iowa state yeah. isn't super strong or wasn't super strong. 
And so like, that's not necessarily nitpicking. It's pointing out a thing that they can improve upon. And there's a lot of components. So like downfield passing is not just a quarterback hucking it down. And like, it's, it's all Brock's fault. Like the problem on that is you have to have like a, a, a bunch of things that are lined up and they just weren't great at those things, which you have to have a guy that can go get it. Like in, in prior years, when you got Lazard, you got Butler. I mean, those are the two easy ones to come down or like to, to think about. But even if you have, when I was there, like Darius Reynolds, like you can chuck it down to Darius Reynolds or you can get it down the field and he's going to compete to go get it. And potentially if he doesn't moss somebody and he's actually open, it's going to catch and run with it. Like you have the capacity to make big plays happen and score from anywhere. They have that in the run game, like Brees and Jirel are going to be able to score from anywhere. But in the passing game, a lot of times they rely on, you know, like an underneath dig route and be like, all right, can Tariq Milton or in, in the past Deshante Jones, or maybe this year, you know, like Jackson, like, can those guys make someone miss? It's not down the field. It's an intermediate pass that they're taking for long. So you have to have a guy that can actually go get it. Like I was saying, they don't have a, they, they ha- didn't have a Lazard or a Butler because those guys are very hard to just find. Uh, but they, I think are trying to get Joe skates to become that guy. And I think Sean Shaw can be not the guy that's going to take it 90. Cause I, I, he's probably four, six, four, maybe four or five with like long strides. Uh, but he can go up and like, he, he's he can go up and get those contested balls. Right. But yeah, downfield passing, you need a quarterback can get it there, which Brock can do. You need a guy to go guy or guys to go get it. And then you need offensive linemen that are actually going to be able to protect and let not just protect to hold time, but consistently do it. So the quarterback feels comfortable enough to take a full drop and then step into that throw because it requires call it five steps backwards. And then you're going to have to take one or two steps forward to get enough juice to get that ball down the field excuse me, down the field. So how much of that too can sometimes be play design where, cause I feel like a lot of times when they really try to throw the ball down the field, it's like, you can see that they're clearly making concerted effort to throw the ball down the field. And then they kind of are just like in YOLO ball mode where then Brock will mm-hmm. kind of just heave the ball up in the air. It probably it could be, I mean, we're not breaking down game film, so it's hard to right. tell where the, I would, I don't want to use fault in the negative term, but where the fault lies of saying like, you, you know what I'm saying though, right? Like, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Like where it's like, it's, times it's, when they do that, it's just like, you see where they'll be throw running Joe skates down the field. And I don't know if it's Brock's arms, not strong enough or what it is, but like something is just not right there to where the defense does not seem overly f- fooled by it. Or, or they'll run Joe skates on the field on a first down, have him run down the field, chuck it to him and then run him off the field where it's like, all right, number nine's in the field. Scouting report says he's probably going to go down the field, which if they have no one else that can do the job, they kind of need to do that. And so this, that then lies, I mean, it, it's a, it's a diverse, diverse pool of people that can be, take responsibility for this. If Joe skates is only right now being put in on down the field plays, then that means he's not being put in on other plays. Why is that the case? probably because he's not as good as the other people whose responsibility, whose responsibility is it to be better as a player, the players. So if Joe skates is only is is kind of in in years past was only able to perform at the level he needed to on one specific play, they were kind of handcuffed and they couldn't leave him out on the field for other things because he would be a detriment to the rest of the team. 
But at the same time, they didn't have anyone else that could go do the one job they needed to do. So they kind of have to pigeonhole, like he pigeonholed himself into that situation. So if he can be better, if someone like skates can be better at underneath routes, blocking route running, just generally short game, then he can stay in for a whole drive. And then that becomes easier when you put in number nine and the scouting report goes number nine's going long. And all of a sudden he runs a hitch. He blocks for a bubble screen. They run two run plays in a row. He's out there. And now it's second and six on the 44 yard line. And they've been lulled to sleep by six plays that are not the thing that their scouting report says all of a sudden skates runs by him. Brock hits him for a long pass. Like he can put himself in a better situation by being better at other stuff. It's like the reverse of what Shaw is going to do. Cause Shaw's really good at everything else. He just needs to be better at that down the field thing. So that's, there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to go around with improving the down the field passing game, but yeah, the play calling absolutely could be one of them. Well, and there's an element too where, you know, to be an explosive passing play, it doesn't have to go for 70. Mm-hmm. Like with this offense, couldn't 25 yards. I mean, I would say that 25 yards is a pretty explosive passing play for this team where it's like, you can suck people up with your, with the rushing attack and your short passing and then go for 25 and get a big chunk play, you know? And like, well, if I'm a defense, that's still backbreaking. Cause you're like, damn, like they usually don't gain yards like that. We just give up 25 in one pop. Well, I think the biggest thing that it's a good point to bring up is that you don't need 70, but the biggest thing that, that in my mind, and this would be something I'd love to talk to, like when we get to actually bring Jay in to these and start really dorking out in football, one of the things that down the field passing has to do is it has to give the threat that that it could go for the whole way that if you relax, it will like, that has to be what the feeling is. I I mean, I'm trying to think of the, the, the best example, like Randy Moss, when the Vikings were playing with Randy Moss, how often do you think they could drop a safety down into the box and play cover three? Never, never defenses could not do that because even if Randy was having an off day and like they had the Randy ratio, they're trying to get it to him. But like, even if he was having an off day and he only had like two receptions for 18 yards or something like that, the defense always has to respect the fact that it can happen. And so what is the best part of this offense? Generally, Brees Hall can go Brees Hall in the running game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned out of the gate, you got 11 guys that are offensive linemen that can block for him. You got two tight ends that are returned two all conference tight ends that are returning. Plus the best running back in the nation. You got that's That's the the highlight of the running game. Teams are going to load up to that. But imagine if you could keep another safety out of the box because Joe Gates every two times out of every three games, catches a 65 yard pass, maybe for a touchdown, maybe not. And they run him in or they run Shaw down the field and the safeties have to think in the back of their mind, shit, if we move, if I play this up, if I play up into the running game, this dude's going to run by me. So he has to play back all of a sudden freeing up space for Brees. And so like the down the field passing, game doesn't need to be 70 yards every single time you actually do it. It just needs to be enough that there is respect by the defense and fear by the defense that if they commit too far forward, it's going to get, everything is going to get the top taken off, which makes last year even more impressive that Brees was able to do what he did without a really substantial down the field passing game, because they were like, I mean, think of the Oklahoma game. There's like nine dudes in the box and they still managed to run for like 185. He managed to run for like 185 yards. So imagine being able to, to pull that back a little farther, like move a safety out of the box and instead of the safety meeting Brees at two yards in the box, he's meeting him at 13 yards down the field. 
how's that going to go for that safety relative to hitting him two yards in the box? So <clears throat> I think that's the intention. So yeah, it doesn't need to be 70 yards every time. It just needs to be a consistent enough threat down the field to keep the, the back of the, the, the defensive seven linebackers and safeties and corners fearful that they cannot abandon the deep ball. They can't sit on everything short. They can't play towards the run. And I mean, I think we mentioned this last year is it doesn't even like if you throw five deep balls in any given game and you complete two, that's great. Just because the other three, if it's close enough that like ugh, that, that ball went off skates, fingertips, it was, we are two inches away from that one being completed. That drives the same fear as actually completing it. So you just have to be good enough at getting the ball down the field and have some type of consistent effort to actually pull the defense back, to let the, to put some doubt in their mind that they can't just abandon that deep play. And, and if they can do that, then the running game becomes even better. Like it, it, there's less people, there's less focus. That's what, I mean, that can be a, a, a huge game changers that they're able to push the ball down the field. That's what sets them apart from being a really, really good college offense to being like a great college offense. Mm -hmm. I think that that I mean, would be the fine line for them this year. Look at I mean, the great example, granted, it's the maybe the best team that college football has seen in the last decade, but last year's Alabama, they last year's Alabama team with Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. And they had Mac Jones, a quarterback who could do it. How easy was Najee Harris's life? You know, right. Like he didn't have to do anything because, and when he did, it was like seven guys in the box. Cause they have to play out against the passing game. So Najee Harris got to more or less run free like that Notre Dame game. It was embarrassing right. because what are you going to do? You have to double cover one. You have to play back on the other. And then you have to trust that your six guys or seven guys in the box are going to do enough to stop the running game. And against Najee Harris or Brees Hall, it's not going to happen. Right. It's awfully easy to be Najee Harris or Clyde Edwards, Alaire when, you got Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith and mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson and Tymar, uh, what whatever his name is, uh, from from LSU back in the Joe Burrow year. Um, all right, what's the next one? I think the other thing is like the the other correlate of that, and uh, so you're you're uh, our guy number two. Yeah, is on defense. One of the things that Iowa State struggled with at times was in the explosive passing game on routes away from Anthony Johnson. And whether that was the safety, not helping enough. And again, we're not watching film. We don't know, but if he's, if there is a, if there's a, a the other corner with Stavon Kyle or, or, or number two, that guy needs to be able to hold up better. Like the Brennan Eagles situation. I think it was Brennan Eagles last year for Texas. Yeah when their entire offense was hey, Ellinger, drop back and throw it. If you get, if you get Eagles on number two, throw it, doesn't matter, throw it. So I think by the end of last year, they started to rectify that a little bit, but still they had a propensity to give up like in that Oklahoma game, the second one, uh, that touchdown that I think it was a, a crosser route that Eisworth was, he wasn't out of position. He was trying to make up for somebody who was out of position. Eisworth got quote beat into the end zone for like a 60 yard pass. Those plays are, again, we talked about what the importance of that is for the offense. That's the negative for if it's your defense is you have to then fear being played back 
or needing to play back versus being able to play forward. So whether that means a better understanding of what you're doing or what your personnel is, or whether that's just the players, the, the off corner, whoever it is, not Anthony Johnson being better in deep coverage. That's a thing that can improve because it, 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 and here's the, the, the bigger context for that is the point of this defense is to make you earn it. Like we've talked about like the actual X's and O's of it, where the three down linemen are going to try and make a pile in the middle. You're going to have some D gap player, whether it's Eisworth or Mike Rose, that's going to play off the tackles or tight ends. And they're going to have interior linebackers with Orion Vance and Jake Hummel that are going to float around in the middle and clean up anything that gets through if it does get through. So you're going to run for two yards and then you're going to run for two yards and then they're going to play behind. They're going to try and play behind most passing plays. So every passing completion is going to be four or six yards and it's not going to be comfortable. Well, that offer that defense works when you have to earn it. Cause eventually you're going to make a mistake and drop a pass or throw an interception or get sacked or something like that. But if you're giving up 60 yard plays, the entire function of the defense, the entire intention of the defense starts to go backwards because the whole, the main thing that it's designed to stop isn't getting stopped. If the, if you are getting, you know, like in the, the first half of the Baylor game where there's those big complex plays that Baylor ran and got all the way down the field. It's the Texas game when they were all the way down the field, when it was the uh, Oklahoma game, when in the second Oklahoma game with that big post corner that they ran like those things, if you are able to stop them, then your defense becomes that much stronger if they become a, a problem where you are getting beat for these over the top plays, teams have to stop thinking that they can, they have to earn it. And they might just start chunking it down the field to try and get one of these big wins. If they know they can do it like Texas did in the first half, when they got a formation and they got to where the match that they wanted to, they go right to it. So that thing, if they can tidy that up and make it so it's less frequent, uh, shoot, that's again, that makes the defense that much better. Cause I think the strength of this defense is in the linebacking core and the front seven. So great. If you can, man, just imagine if this team had like Brian PV opposite of oh, sure. Johnson, I mean, mm -hmm. just uh, maybe not even someone as good as PV. Cause obviously he was, you know, an all conference type of guy, but someone who's like just a step below that to play that corner opposite of Anthony Johnson, like that would be, good luck at that point, you know, yeah, it, uh, it, it's, it's crazy though. And I don't think that it's necessarily like, like it's not Daytron Young's fault, you know, like it, no, it, no. it can be, it, it kind of is, there isn't, but in the same way that Joe Skates is like, he can improve upon himself, but also play calls can, or, or, you know, the execution of it can be back on the fact that if they don't have anyone else to do it and he's doing his best, then it's also on everybody else to be better than him. You know, if, but at, at the same time, by the end of the year, we talked about other than one or two plays, especially in the running game, he was playing really well. Like Daytron Young was playing like hit that Oklahoma game. Uh, and I don't know who's, I don't remember whose fault that big play, pass play was, but he played probably his best game of a call as a collegian in that Oklahoma game and stopped. There was a, a reverse that happened that he tackled for like a one yard loss. There was a couple run fits that he had. There was a, like a, a, a catch separate the, the receiver from the ball. There was a lot of really good stuff. And so I'm hoping that that continues into next year that they're able to trust it a little more or have the safeties. And if not, like, let's say that they realize that that's not his game. Like, you know, you would never try and have, 
Uh, I'm trying to come up with a, who's a, who's a non-shooting point guard, Rajon Rondo. Like you were never going to have peak Rajon Rondo shoot 62 points or like shoot 27 shots a game. Like that is a bad strategy. He's a pass first point guard. You're never going to have him play like Steph Curry, but if you force him into a role where he has to play like Steph Curry, he's going to be bad. He's not, he can't live up to that thing. So if you're, if, if Daytron young, if the defense and the, the staff understands this dude is really good on intermediate passing zone coverage, playing the run. And we need that. Okay. We then have to understand that we have to protect his deep side. So we're going to make sure that he, you know, we call schematic things or we play someone who understands that or whatever, and they can, you can coach around it once you know that that exists. So it doesn't mean that Daytron Young has to be better individually has to be better at deep coverage. Maybe he does, but I think as a team to understand how to protect against that, because Anthony Johnson on the other side, really good lockdown handles it. That's not a problem. It's the everything else on the other side that that's the question. This is, these are the kinds of things that get me so excited for them to play Oklahoma again, mm-hmm. because to play three times, you know, potentially, hopefully four times in a two year span with two teams that are more or less the same outside of a handful of guys on both sides, the chess match that's going to go into that game where in the familiarity that everybody's going to have with each other is going to be, I mean, like you don't see that very often, you know, where two teams are going to play that sheer amount just in a two year span. Yeah. It's crazy. How long has it been since, since Iowa state had a, I mean, it was Baker is the last time that Iowa state played an Oklahoma quarterback two years in a row. So mm-hmm. like it's been five years since you saw Iowa state's defense face the same quarterback four times or three. And times. Rattler's going to be better this year. Like just naturally. Cause Lincoln Riley is the best quarterbacks coach, best collegiate quarterbacks coach. And I don't think it's close. And Spencer Rattler's a really talented dude, you know, like as much as we non Norman natives don't like him, he's pretty freaking good. So he's going to get better. And against teams yet like Oklahoma and even like Max Duggan at TCU, like Max Duggan can run and throw. It is. I don't necessarily know who he's throwing to. I haven't checked the TCU roster. I know their running backs are really good. I don't know anything about their wide receivers. So TCU is another one that you're going to have to deal with. There's Oklahoma state Spencer Sanders. Like you're there's guys that you're going to have to play against that. I mean, this sounds weird. Spencer Petrus has a cannon at Iowa doesn't know where it's going. No idea where it's going. But if you relax, uh, if there is an opening and you're not good at that, all of a sudden one, one play and you've done really good. You've ha- held him to an average of 1.7 yards per play or something like that. And all of a sudden 70 happens because you miss on the wrong side or you guess or whatever you get beat. All of a sudden, all of that good defense is out the window because you've allowed one big pass play to happen at a time. So yeah, all of what we were talking about with Iowa state needing to push the ball down the field or be, need to be able to push the ball down the field a little bit more, being able to more consistently keep everything in front of you and not allow that one game breaking play that happens every other game or once a game or whatever, if they can keep that down and make it even, you know, like sometimes not to use Steph Curry as an example, but I don't know basketball that well. But every once in a while, Steph Curry will take the ball down the court and know that his guys are super tired. So, like, they'll use that possession as a breather for everybody else. Steph will just dribble around and shoot one from 31 feet. And on against double coverage, a guy is literally like poking him in the eyeball. Someone else has his finger in their ear and he makes the 
shot. Like at that point, you're like, Hey, tip your cap. Nothing. We can do. That was as good as you possibly could have played it. Baller's going to ball. And if, if there's a play where you have perfect coverage and a dude just goes up and makes an absolute Moss play fine, like that's go good for you. But it's the ones where you, again, like that one in that the one in Oklahoma in the second game is when it's wide open and he doesn't have to make a Moss play and it doesn't have to be a perfect throw. It just has to get there. Cause he's wide open. That's the stuff you have to eliminate because players are going to make plays, but don't give them plays to be able to be made. Right. All right. What's the next one? Uh, rushing the passer with just three. They were good at it last year, but they had Jaquan Bailey. So Will McDonald is now the show like Will McDonald. You better believe that they're going to set their protections at and to Will McDonald. So they're going to go, all right, where's number nine or did he change number this year? Is he the same? He's still number nine. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to say, all right, where's number nine. Okay. We're so we would do that against uh, like Adrian Claiborne. We would do it against or our other really good defensive linemen where <clears throat> you can, uh, we actually do with interior linemen too. But like when you know that there is a guy that uh, a lot of times in pass protection, the, the way it works is there's a man side, meaning tackle, take the widest guy guard, take the next guy. And then there's a zone side, which means, Hey, center, you're going to take anybody that comes to your right side guard. You're going to the right guard. You're going to take anyone to your right side and the tackle. You're going to take anyone to your right side. And so the zone side, a lot of times will throw towards the better player, unless you have a stud tackle. Cause you're going to play that zone side towards, cause if he spins off, if he, you know, he makes this, that he beats the tackle, the guard is already looking out there so he can clean up whatever mess is there. Or if you want to put your, if your running back's a good pass protector, then you could put the man side to it. Cause then your running back is towards that side, but either way you have a preferred, a preferred right. setup on which direction you want to send towards your best blitzer pass rusher or whatever. Will McDonald is going to get that now last year. They couldn't because you have Will McDonald on one side and you have Jaquan Bailey on the other side, that other side person, whoever that is, I think there's three people like Peterson as a Peterson, any. Peterson and any, and any, I don't know if any, and whether any moves inside or not, but like there's going to need to be somewhat, the other person on the other side has to be able to develop a pass rush to counteract the amount of attention that will is going to get, because that was one of the things that they were really strong with last year that they lose in Jaquan Bailey is they could rush only three and know that one of those two guys is going to beat a double team and get to the quarterback in enough time to make them have to throw so they can drop eight comfortably. Well, either will is going to have to be a superhero and beat double teams every single play or the other guy is going to have to take advantage of that single block that he's going to get because of Will's attention. So being able to rush three still and get to the quarterback is something they did last year, but without Jaquan are going to need to do better. I'm interested too, because I feel like this is an opportunity for any to show, you know, he's always just been that guy. That's like the steady person that, you know, is going to do his job well, but he's not like an explosive playmaker. Mm-hmm. like losing Jaquan gives him the opportunity to be an explosive playmaker because they need him to. I mean, yeah. Zach, Zach Peterson is kind of in the same thing, you know, like Matt Campbell talked about that yesterday where Zach Peterson has been really good for them, but Zach Peterson doesn't put up big numbers to where mm-hmm. it makes it look like 
like everybody just immediately is like, man, this guy is unbelievable. You know, he kind of flies under the radar because all he does is do his job and do it really well, but just Mm -hmm. not in like a flashy way. It's like, this is a chance for them to show that they can be a guy who can do some of those things now. Yeah. And whether or not that, that pass rush comes from the inside or the outside, like maybe Isaiah Lee, like maybe you have a guy like Isaiah. They really like that J.R. Singleton too. Either way, if you have a guy, like how much better does Aaron Donald make the the, uh, LA Rams? I mean, very, like, very much better. Almost unquantifiably better. I saw, I saw a clip today where the Dolphins set up, they had three guys block him in a pass set. Yeah. And what that means is then there's very few guys to block anyone else. Right. So you're then producing single blocks for everyone else. Well, Will McDonald is going to be the guy that draws a double team. Like there, unless you have a, a, a offensive tackle that you really trust, you really trust you're going to probably send somebody else over there, tight end, running back guard, somebody, you're going to put somebody else over there, which means if you can have interior pressure, you're probably going to get a one-on-one or a one-on-one with maybe like a, a guard sort of has a handout. Cause he's, he's playing more toward, you know, whatever. But if you can have interior pass rush or the other defensive end, if somebody else can rush the passer with consistency and cause pressure, then that takes the pressure off of Will McDonald. Cause when, when that dude's one-on-one unblockable, it's just, can he get one-on-ones or is the, can the other people take advantage of him being as good because Jaquan and him played off each other last year. Now can they do it without him? Like that's yeah. This interior, of, exterior, whatever. This would have been a uh, big Jamal Johnson's time to shine. Mm. Ah, would have, would have been, but yeah, no, that I, I mean, they've got so many guys in that room that I think they've, it's the same kind of thing as the offensive line. They have so many guys that they feel confident about being really good that mm-hmm. I, because I asked about that in the press conference yesterday. That's an obvious question to me. Like, man, okay, what's the next step for Will? You don't have Jaquan there anymore that can take any of the attention, you know, like mm-hmm. Will is going to be the guy that defenses are paying attention to or offenses are paying attention to inside of that front seven. I mean, obviously you have to know who Mike Rose and, Orion Vance and Jay Kummel are, but like, yeah. if you're at the line of scrimmage, when you're looking for who, where is everybody? It's like, okay, the first person I'm looking for is number nine. Where is number nine at? Yeah. And you take away having number three on the opposite side from him is, you know, as good. I understand that Zach Peterson has been good. I understand that any has been good, but there's never a moment where I'm like, man, okay, where's number nine. Well, okay. Now I got to figure out where this guy is and I have to worry about him too. As good as they are, I'm not, I would not be as worried about them in that sense, at least at this point, because they, we just have not seen them be a guy who is worthy of that attention. Well, and, and like I said, if there's seven guys, which I think there are legitimately, you know, six or seven offensive linemen that could play in or defensive linemen that could play, produce, contribute. And I bet there are at least, uh, but one of them has to produce like one of them, not named Will McDonald has to produce to produce enough pressures, enough quarterback hits, enough sacks, whatever, to necessitate attention, like to pull some attention over. So like Zach Peterson or any can be just, you know, steady Eddie, but if you're steady Eddie and you're only catching and not in a bad way, but like if you're only catching and you got three sacks in the year and they're all kind of scramble, like Eddie's a king of that, like he was great at establishing a pocket and keeping the quarterback in it is really good at that. But if you do that and you're only kind of catching it when he tries to bail, cause the coverage is really good and you kind of pull him down, which is fine. Those are all good. But the thing that will and Jaquan did last year is 
if they it was a drop back pass, they is you didn't have a spot. Yeah. Like yeah. you're as a quarterback, you could not drop back, set up, read and throw. It was drop back, set up. And all of a sudden you feel some flash of red or black that's in front of you that you have to move off your spot. And that throws off the timing just enough. Now, maybe does it, does he get the sack every time? No, he's probably getting horse collared by the offensive tackle, but by moving some, by moving him off the spot, he's creating enough pressure that it causes the quarterback to be uncomfortable all the time. That other person needs to have some kind of that is safely do it. Cause there's a way to gamble, like lose your, your pocket responsibility. And you just dive towards the quarterback. All of a sudden he bails. And there's a free, there's a free out, but you don't want that. But someone like will or Jaquan that they did was be able to in their responsibility, beat the pants off the tackle and then have a, a either a free run at the quarterback to force him to move or get a hand on him as he's throwing or before he throws. Having Jaquan and any, or and will on each side is like having a, it's like running a press in basketball. That is like an all out. We're going to try and steal the ball from you every time press rather yeah. than like a token pressure of we're just trying to slow you down. You might commit some turnovers every once in a while, but we're just trying to force you to play at our pace type of thing. Yeah. It's the, when West Virginia was really good that when press Virginia, when they had that back in what the, the Aaron Harris days when he was, you know, socking George in the face or whatever it is. Uh, but when you had that, that constant, constant pressure, you can't relax and it gets exhausting and it changes your game plan. So, yeah, I think that's another thing that I'm really interested in. How are they going to be able to do that? And it might not happen. Like maybe they don't have another person that they can rush three, but I think Mike Rose needs to be better at pass rush moves too. Like Orion Vance is a pretty good pass rusher from the, from the middle. He's got really good feel. He's generally uh, able to take good angles. I think that's the one part of Mike's game that he could probably stand to improve the most is you, you know, Von Miller is technically a linebacker. He plays more like Will McDonald where he's down defensive end. Uh, Khalil Mack is the same way, but they, they technically play a position that Mike Rose plays, you know, like they're technically outside linebackers, but the thing that they do so well, and Mike is built for this physically, like he's six, two, six, three, two forty five, really long arms. Like he is built the same way they are, which is I, if he, if he can get length and use his speed relative to a tackle, if he can use his speed and start becoming a really good pass rusher, then that could be the thing that takes pressure off. Will, because if they know if he's just there, then they can't send a double team to McDonald because the potential that 23 could come. So it might not be from the other defensive end. It might just be from Mike becoming a really good pass rushing linebacker. If that's the case, awesome. It solves the problem, but you know what that other pressure, where is that going to come from? The non will McDonald quarterback pressure going to come from. That is another thing that they can, I think they're going to have to figure out and it might be a little rough for weeks one and two, which the problem is, is those are your in-state games uh, that it, it might not be solved by then because they might not have an idea on who's doing what or how they're going to do it, whatever it might be. I don't know. It's okay. But, Offense is going to average 50 points in those first two games. So <laughs> Yeah. Damn straight. All right. Uh, next one. How many more you got? I think, I mean, kickoffs, but yeah, well, yeah, that's an obvious one. Just being better at kickoffs. I think that they will be, uh, the Mevis kid sounds like he can really kick the ball. So just kick it, kick it into the Suka. I don't even care. Like kick it in the South end zone or hit the freaking Jacobson building. Does don't even, I don't care. Hang time. Just kick it through the end zone. 
Don't give him a chance. No one cares as far as you can kick it. Yeah. I think that that's the hope. Uh, Coach Campbell, you can tell is tired already of answering the questions about kickoff. I, I swear to God, he went out and found a guy who could kick the ball into the end zone because he was tired of talking about kickoffs. Just the exclusively, from his, exclusively from his own irritation. Right. And I'm like only 65% kidding right there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I only have one more substantive point outside of that. Uh, or, which is offensively when and if a defense is doing a really good job against Brees circa Oklahoma state, do you have another option that can, pro- that can be productive to loosen him up? And that's where partly kind of point one of having a deep passing game, which allows that it's much less, much more difficult than to actually stop a running game. If you have a consistent deep field or down the field passing game, but that might mean Tariq Milton. Cause I think Mil- Tariq and Charlie were both out for that game. Right. Uh, I think just Tariq was. Okay. Um, but he either lost way. Hashim Young halftime or in the True. first half, but, but either way, when you have a game like that, where, uh, Brees had two big runs and other than that, it was kind of, I mean, it was slow going. It, it was hard to move the ball up and down the field. And if you, if, is there another mechanism by which you have a consistent offense outside of 28? Because if, you know, if you don't then, and guys do put freaking 10 in the box or God forbid he, you know, has a hangnail and can't actually run, you know, something like that, knock on wood, you have to be able to do outside of that. So I'm hoping, not hoping, I, I would imagine that they're able to come up with an additional offensive output that doesn't involve exclusively just giving it to, to Jirel and Brees and saying, all right, guys, we're going to take our 13 offensive linemen, push people down the field and run. If, if that isn't working for some odd reason that it, there is something else that you can do, uh, intermediate passing game down the field, passing game, bubble screens, you know, get it to Trevor Ryan and have Alan Lazard block for him on the corner, like that kind of stuff. They can and should be better at those things. Uh, and I don't know what that is necessarily, but I, I think it's a combination of Brock being able to actually like relax in his own skin, getting it to the right, you know, not trying to do everything all the time. And then also I think from an outside blocking perspective, we were really spoiled when Allen and Hakeem and Trevor Ryan and Deshante Jones were here because those guys all took immense pride in I'm going to F you up blocking. I mean, the, the easiest example we've talked about a bunch on here is the 2017 game when they beat Oklahoma down in Oklahoma, they ran a bubble screen. The safety for Oklahoma took a, had a, could have had a pursuit angle on Trevor Ryan, but went out of his way to hit Alan Lazard behind the play because he was so pissed at how much Allen was messing him up in the running or like in the running game. So he took a cheap shot and allowed a touchdown. Right. And Alan just got up and clapped at him saying like, thank you. I'm in your head. Like that type of thing, because he was punking him so much in the, like by pass blocking, Sean Shaw has the capacity to do that. You know, like he has the capacity to punk people on the blocking or in, in out like exterior blocking. If he can do that, then when you do end up 
with a, you know, it's, it's tough sled in the middle. Your Brees isn't running well or, or isn't, you know, something like that. But if you can get it out there and he's going to punk a corner and you can count on five yards at a time, cause Tariq can play off of Shaw and outrun a linebacker to get six yards or five yards or whatever, then that the options outside of Brees become a lot easier and a lot better. So that, what does that look like? Again, I think it's just an exterior blocking and letting guys like Shaw punk people or Charlie Kolar being good in space and setting him outside. I, I don't know, but something outside of Brees when it's not a hundred percent, like when it's not, when it's not clicking right away is there is something else to do. Sounds like Jalen Knowles, a guy that they could get the ball to in situations like that. True freshman, freshman kid. City. Yeah. He's a real deal from what I understand. Yeah. So, and someone like that, or, you know, who, how do you get someone in space and how do you then block for him? So he gets space to do stuff like that or intermediate passing game, or maybe Charlie and maybe chase gets better at actually receiving. Like he's able to like, if Charlie and chase are on the field at the same time, Charlie's got some dude posted up. They put their best coverage linebacker on Charlie. He all of a sudden chase has the middle linebacker. Who's not really good at pass coverage. If he can start posting him up in some way compared to Charlie, then you have seven yards, put it on one of his ones on this Jersey, let him catch it seven yards, second and three. Great. Awesome. Move the ball down the field. So whatever it looks like, there's a bunch of different ways to do it, but being able to get the ball to someone other than Brees to make the offense click and work. And again, to, to, to bow this whole thing together, if you could imagine Iowa state last year, if they could throw the ball down the field, consistently move the ball to uh, non tight end wide receivers and force every pass to stay in front of them. They beat Oklahoma twice. They beat Oklahoma state. And then that would be an undefeated season theoretically last year, if they were able to correct those things again, that's not saying that they're going to go undefeated. I'm not saying that, but like, if you're able to clean up, this team goes from really good to even better. So again, to, to, I'm not saying this team isn't great and the hype train is definitely deserved, but they are not perfect and they're still going to get things better. So as they come into these first couple games, they're trying to work kinks out. It might not be perfect right away. It might not be perfect this whole season. There are going to be times when they are trailing. There's going to be times when they need to play really well to even just get back in the game. Those things will exist. And I think that's where, I don't know, as a person who has watched a lot lot of foot time, that's the exciting part is when you can identify, this is where we can get better. And then if you do shoot, man, there's the ceiling is even higher. Absolutely. All right, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll talk again next week. You got anything else that you need to say before, uh, before, before we go, we're uh, hopefully going to get more regular with our farts. This, uh, yeah. as, as we get out of media days and all that kind of stuff. Right. Now that my schedule will be more regular, not just like kind of things random, randomly thrown around. We should be good. Uh, regular parts are good. Right. Just it's been a little blocked up here, yep. but, uh, yep. get it figured out. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace.